Hey y'all, this is Trent, and I am part of No Walls Worship, and this is part of No Walls Worship, and you, while you're listening, are part of No Walls Worship, and uh, today is Saturday, January the 19th, which means tomorrow is Sunday, January the 20th. January 20th is the third Sunday of January, which means it's a No Walls Sunday, and we'll be back over at Crystal Creek Distillery. But before that happens, I'm going to run through the message for tomorrow, uh, it's going to help me get ready, and it'll give you a flavor of what goes on in the distillery uh, when you're not there. <laughs> so um, let's see. I, I think that's all I've got for you, other than a, just a little warning that there might be some background noise. Uh, there's an 11-year-old sleepover happening, and there's a 4-year-old being jealous of hanging out with his sister. So there may be a scream, there might be some music, there might be some dancing sounds in the background. Uh, I don't know, but uh, if you hear something crazy, then please forgive me. All right, uh, I'm going to jump into it. I don't have a good title, actually, for this one. Uh, right now, it's titled Governance Perens Working Title. Uh, so we're just going to go with that for now. Governance. Governance. Uh, yeah. All right, I'm going to get into it. Want to hear something weird? Question mark. Now, I, I know that's not a fair question because you can't say no, and uh, e, e, this is a one-way medium, and even if you could say no somehow, you can't say no because that's the opening of this thing that I wrote. So if you don't say yes, if you're not willing me to say yes right now, then you could, I guess, just turn the podcast off, and we could just, or we could just sit here in silence for 15 minutes. But I want to tell you something weird, uh, so you're going to hear something weird. Uh, it was Monday, this last Monday, January the 14th. Uh, remember that, that's important. Uh, I sat down on the couch, and it was in the morning, and I was doing this thing where I was starting to get my thoughts together uh, for the words for this week. And I, <clears throat> I'd been thinking the previous week about governance, right? The the things that govern our actions, the things that govern our behaviors, choices, uh, but I was also kind of thinking about it in this context is where, where you have something going on uh, or something that's coming up or just just something big that dominates any non-focused, quiet moment that you have. It's what you mindlessly think about in the car. It's what you are thinking about when your spouse is telling you about that crazy girl at work. Maybe Maybe it's a sick family member. Maybe it's an important inter- interview. Maybe it's a mistake or a... Uh, a wrong word that you used in a crowd. But the way I picture it is, is this mental Rubik's cube that's not being solved. You're just, you're turning it over and over and over again, looking at different angles, looking at different colors. And somehow it's this thing that's always in the background of your thoughts. It's there, but it's, it's not, it's not, really there, but it's always there. But anyway, it's, it's governing your thoughts. It's governing your moments. It's governing your days anyway. Um, so that's what I was thinking about praying about as I sat down to get my notes together. Um, so I do this thing. Sometimes I I have a note, uh, of a folder in something called Evernote. I don't know if you do Evernote, but it's, it's kind of great. Uh, if you don't know about it, it's this little note-taking uh, app on your phone or my phone. And I have this folder in Evernote that's named Ideas for Messages or Ideas for Words. 
And when I'll come across something that's either interesting or inspiring, but I don't kind of know what to do with it yet. Because if I know what to do with it, it's going in the message the very next week and I don't need to note it, (laughs) right? But a lot of times I come across stuff that I don't know what to do with yet or I don't fully understand it. And so I'll just dump it in that folder. But on this day, I I did did what I usually do. I was scrolling through the notes to see if there's anything that I had jotted down that caught my attention. And man, there's like 250 plus notes in there now uh, or the last couple of years. But I did something a little different is that um, instead of going from most recent to older, I flipped the sorting and I started looking at the very first few notes that I put in there. Um, it, sidebar, isn't this really riveting? <laughs> Right? Um, are you are you a hundred percent in this story? Are you are you with me as I'm scrolling through my phone? Uh, are you in the moment, picturing me on the couch in my pajamas, my hair still tussled, groggy, coffee, scrolling through phone? Awesome story, right? But um, but I'm scrolling through, and it's the fourth entry uh, that really gra- grabbed my attention, and it's a link to a commentary uh, of the verses uh, Luke 12 through 35. And the first thing that caught my attention about this was this is the verse right after the verses that I talked about last week at No Walls. And it was the one about fear and worry. And the core of the message was you're not doing it wrong. You're not doing it wrong. You're not doing it wrong. And then this next passage is is also kind of about governance, what what should be governing our thoughts and our actions. And it also felt like a really natural follow-up to the last message. Last week was, don't worry, this passage is about what do you do instead? What should you do instead of that worry? And uh, the weird part, the weird part was that this was uh, January the 14th, this last Monday, and this note, this fourth note in the folder, uh, fourth note I ever put in this folder, uh, was from January the 14th, 2016. Maybe that's not, (laughs) I don't know, maybe it's not that weird. Um, But I'm going to read it for you, and, uh, uh, but let me put this in context. Okay, so, the first part of Luke uh, 12, which is what we talked on last time, is lots of Jesus teaching. Uh, lots of it fast, quick. Uh, Jesus is teaching crowds. Jesus is teaching his inner circle. He's saying, don't be fearful of death. He's saying, don't worry about not having the right words if you're put on trial for your faith. He says, don't fret over earthly things. Don't worry about what you wear. Don't worry about what you might eat. Don't don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Worry never accomplishes anything. And he finally, well, amongst all these things says, don't worry about God. God, your father is pleased to give you the kingdom, not bargain with you for or trade you the kingdom but um, but give you the kingdom. And that's good news. And in this verse, this verse 35, Jesus gives us this little quick hit parable. It's a, a sneaky parable, if you will. Uh, but it's Luke 12, uh, 35 through 40. And I want to read this for you. All right, here we go. Here's verse 35. 
Be ready for whatever comes. Dress for action and with your lamps lit. I like that. Have your lamps lit. Uh, 36. Like servants who are waiting for their master. So have your lamps lit like a servant would who is waiting for their master to come back from a wedding feast. When the master comes and knocks, the servants are going to open the door for him at once. Good servants. How happy are those servants whose master finds them awake and ready when he returns. I tell you, he will take off his coat. He will have the servants sit down and the master will wait on the servants. How happy they are if he finds them ready, even if he should come at midnight or even later. And then 39, and you can be sure that if the owner of a house knew the time when a thief would come, he would not let the thief break into his house and you too must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you are not expecting him. All right. Now for good uh, pastor's kids <laughs> who grew up in church on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Awana's on Mondays and Wednesday night Bible study and Saturday night youth group and blasphemy warning, Jesus, that's a lot of Jesus, <laughs> right? Um, these, these are familiar words. This is a familiar passage and this is a familiar refrain. And in the Baptist tradition, these, these words play out like this. God doesn't like sinners. You are a sinner. You better be careful because Jesus is coming back soon. And things are going to get ugly if you don't. And um, Scott Calhoun, I don't know if you've ever noticed this on his guitar case. I'm thinking this is right. Maybe it's not Scott. Maybe this is somebody else. But we'll look tomorrow when we're there. He, I think he's got this sticker on his case that says, Jesus is coming. Look busy. So y'all, this this verse plays out like something, almost like a divine elf on the shelf for me. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. And and listen, you and I might have different ideas about what this theolog- theological concept is all about, and and y'all, that's okay. You. Because the early church, the early, early church really struggled with this too. But here's what I can tell you is that just for me as a kid and even more so now as a grown up, I don't find this elf on the shelf version of this scripture helpful. I don't find it encouraging. And more flatly, I feel this read Uh, contradicts what Jesus said just three verses before. He said, don't worry. Your father, the king, you are part of the royal family, is pleased to give you the kingdom. Let me say that again. Don't worry. Your father, the king, your father, the king, is pleased to give you the kingdom. But more than that, more than just being a strange contrast to what was said just a few sentences before. I feel it misses the beauty, the gorgeous nature of this analogy that Jesus is giving us right here. You have this picture of the master as incredibly benevolent, uh, incredibly gracious, unbelievably merciful. And 
one way to look at it is the best boss ever, right? This is the guy you want to work for. We have this picture of the servants of the house. They are ready. They are excited. They are anticipating. Their their mojo is lit up. They are aware and awake and looking and ready for the master come home. Do y'all do y'all remember uh, when we didn't have cell phones and we couldn't text each other to let each other know that we were just around the corner or we were walking in? I remember being little and my best bud, he, he lived down the street a ways. I mean, far enough that it took, took a few minutes on the bike to get over to my house. He'd call from his home landline and say, I'm on my way. And I'd go immediately into the front room and I'd put my knees on the chair by the window and I would peek over the back and look through the curtains. I'd put my face on the glass towards the edge, trying to look and get as much of an angle waiting for him to come around the corner. And I was excited because I knew when he got there, we were going to play all day. (laughs) And look at this story, y'all, the picture of the master we get, these eager servants waiting. And the master is coming home from the wedding reception. And it doesn't say he's going to stumble in drunk and say, clean the baseboards or or be critical that there are too many dishes in the sink. No, it says the master is going to be so happy to see us that he's going to say, sit down, let me get you a beer. (laughs) Here's, Here's the comfy blanket. Let me serve you. This, this is the master you want to serve. This master is good and loves you and always, always has time and energy for you. And all he asks, all the master asks is stay awake. Wait up for me. Look over the couch back. (laughs) Watch for me around the corner. This is a God not to fear this is a God to, des- to desire, best master ever. Maybe that's our title. I like that better than governance. <laughs> best master ever. <laughs> um, all right. Um, so Mitzi and I, for our 10th anniversary, we went to the British Virgin Islands. And we rented a big old boat. And on my friend Jay's advice, we decided to forego uh, paying to have a captain. Uh, He said you didn't want a a skipper on the boat when you were hanging out on the ocean uh, with your beautiful bride. This was good advice. But um, I was going to drive this giant boat myself in the middle of a giant ocean. But they do, uh, they do provide you with this thing called a friendly skipper, all right? His job is to walk you through the boat. Uh, this is a couple hours worth of activity. Show you where the fire extinguishers are, uh, how to radio for help, uh, how to call when you're ready to come back in after the three days are up, uh, how to start the backup generator, how to drive the boat, 
Now, I've had some experience with boats, with single propeller boats on Lake Travis and Lake Texoma and some other places. But, but y'all, I've never driven a boat in the ocean and I've never driven a boat with dual propellers. I've never driven anything with uh, kind of dual motors. So you have these two, um, Instead of a wheel, <laughs> you have these two sticks, uh, one on the left, one on the right, and you push them back and forth to move the propellers. And yeah, you can see already, uh, <laughs> like, I don't even know what to call them. They're sticks. Um, I was going to be in trouble. But I had my friendly skipper to help. And here's the first thing. Uh, my skipper was not friendly. Second thing, uh, he had this thick... Islandy, I don't know accent. Uh, I could not understand. Third thing, the only words I could understand, I did not understand. He was uh, saying things like aft and starboard and port and pitch and drift. And uh, he was also losing his patience with me as I looked blankly at him. Fourth, uh, I was coming into this thing about 40% sure that I was going to crash this boat uh, into something. And by the time my friendly skipper uh, was getting uh, not friendly with me, but genuinely angry with me for not learning faster, um, that percentage had doubled. I was now 80% sure uh, that we were going to die. (laughs) Fifth, uh, I'm looking at my wife And my wife, she does not get blotchy, nervous, red chest. I've never seen this before or after, but my wife has got blotchy, red, frightened, fearful, red splotchy chest. And I can hear her thoughts. She is saying, this idiot is going to get me killed. I should have listened to my mother, (laughs) right? Um, uh, Y'all, at one point... I'm so scared and confused, and the friendly skipper is yelling all these words at me. I just close my eyes and start rapidly shifting both left and right hands, (laughs) the sticks back and forth. And then we got out into the water, and the friendly skipper got off the boat, and I started to realize we started to realize slowly that this big, scary boat, this big, scary machine was built specifically to navigate this big, scary ocean. And you start to realize that all the boat needs from me is to make small little adjustments to the propellers And then, and then, when you realize how small your part is and how big the rest of it is and how powerful the ocean is, it all starts to be beautiful. I could finally look up from the control panel I could finally look up from my fear and I saw the sun sparkling on the waves, the mountains in the distance, 
my bride on the bow. Now let me be careful because at no point do you lose respect for the ocean. You're always aware that it's bigger and more powerful than you and it will have its way. It is big and powerful and you have to stay awake to it. And then there's this funny sense of relief when you get back onto land where there's beauty and peace when you realize that this big powerful ocean is not phased by your frantic and fearful shifting. And in fact, it makes things so maybe maybe this is a funny way to get at this. But if I'm going to be more plain, what I'm trying to say is that the fear isn't useful. And the fear distracts us from how good the thing is, how good the master is. And when we realize how good the master is, of course we would be waiting with anticipation. Of course we would be trying to stay awake. Just the same way you'd be eager and awake to see a friend. You know, when I, when I started that folder, that folder in Evernote titled Ideas for Messages, I partly did it out of fear. This was right after... Our, my my pastor had asked me to do this thing, to do this offsite service. And before that, she said, hey, why don't you cover for me for 12 weeks while I'm on maternity? And I've never really done this before, right? I, I mean, I've talked some in public and I had at this point, I had spoken some at church. But I'd never really done this and. I was asking myself some questions that sound really silly to me now. I was asking things like, what if I run out of ideas? What if I'm not inspired? What if, life, what if I don't notice the beautiful things in life? What if the master doesn't show up? And what I understand now a couple years into this is the master always shows up. And the master is happy to serve. Isn't that amazing? The master is happy to serve even me. All the master asks is that I stay awake and be watchful to how he is working around me. Even even when I'm sitting on the couch at 6 a.m., groggy, hair tussled, scrolling through my phone. This was fun. Thanks for listening. Um, I'll catch you next time.